Hello and welcome to another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. For new listeners, an extra special welcome and thanks for tuning in. I do recommend you head over to our website though, where you'll find all previous episodes of the podcast and also some guest mixes from some of our resident taproom DJs. The address is udipus.com forward slash radio. The podcast is also available by searching Radio Udipus on your podcast app. On to today's show. Around the table, I was joined by Sander Nadevane, co-founder and head brewer here at Udipus, and our guest is Case Crackman from Kepler Coffee. Kepler is a cafe and roastery located here in Amsterdam North. Case himself is regarded as one of the coffee connoisseurs here in the Netherlands. For the last 20 years, he has been working and learning all about coffee as a roaster, consultant and now a cafe owner. Plenty of similarities with craft beer here, but I was excited to explore and learn from some of Case's expertise. All that on today's show of the Radio Oedipus podcast. All right, so hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus. I am happy to be joined by Sander Nadevane, co-founder and head brewer here at Oedipus. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, pretty good. Good, good. Yeah, back from a summer break. Uh, Refreshed. Getting into it back. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Good man. Uh, we are joined, of course, today by Case Krakman from Kepler Coffee and Roastery. How are you doing, mate? Very well. Thank you very much. Good, good. A warm welcome to you, Case. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. No, it's uh, it's good to have you on the show. You're known as kind of a coffee connoisseur, especially here in the Netherlands. Uh, we're looking forward to diving into the world of coffee with you today. When did you first get involved in the coffee world? Uh, after high school. So it was in 1999. Yeah. I started working in a small uh, coffee roastery and shop in Baren, the town where I grew up. Uh, and there we sold like 30 or 40 different coffees out of 18 countries. Uh, and I worked for 10 years for the company and I started as an 18-year-old uh, boy uh, and slowly became uh, yeah, a coffee professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know how to study or whatever. So I just sticked around making money, mm-hmm. partying and slowly becoming a, a coffee professional. And another moment that I started to learn to roast after five years, and I went uh, for the first time to um, coffee competitions in Panama and Ethiopia, and I saw like-minded people, but then in uh, from the states or Canada or whatever, and I thought, ah, oh, might be might be a serious job opportunity. This. Oh, nice. Then I then I sticked around, and uh, and now it's twenty years. <laughs> well, congratulations on but your I'm twenty. Al- also forty already. Uh, last week I turned in forty, so that's that also happens before you know it. Well, <laughs> happy birthday for last week. <laughs> uh, what makes a good cup of coffee to you? Would you say in coffee, obviously the quality can be very different from from sort to sort. Uh, when we talk about coffee, there's a difference between specialty coffee or mainstream coffee. So first of all, I'm talking today about specialty coffees. I don't consider the rest um, a topic of today. And within the specialty coffees, it's uh, it's like 5 to 10, maybe 15% of the current world production. There's also a lot of uh, fluctuation in quality in there, which is graded from 1 or from 60 to 100, let's say. Being 90, very good, and 70, mediocre, and 80, good coffees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the absolute uh, necessity is that it needs to be fresh, so freshly roasted. 
Uh, and if it's not fresh, then also a specialty coffee is not so special anymore. What do you, what do you exactly mean with specialty coffee? In in beer, you also have this term, especially in the Netherlands, <coughs> called special beer. Mm-hmm. And it, it also, I, I I don't really like the term because it it makes something special and the rest is normal. And in beer, it translates to normal beer being industrially produced lager, mm-hmm. uh, like the big brands make. And specialty beer or special beer is then the rest. And it can be traditionally in the Netherlands that was mostly Belgian Abbey styles, you know, and maybe German Weizen or Belgian Wit. And but yeah. it, it also really oversimplifies things where I think when we learned about beer also in Horeca in a bar, uh, it was about, whoa, there's so much more around and there's all these varieties. Special beer just. Yeah, yeah. and special beer, still people use that term, but I, I don't really like it because it also it implicates that there's something normal and that uh, yeah. translates to industrial lager and special beer was only the abbey styles and now yeah i don't know now with coffee it boils down to the uh to the grondstof uh the produce itself the coffee mm-hmm. uh, which is being graded uh from 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 long okay. time ago as in uh, tr- from a trading position uh and uh, because of that you can mathematically count the amount of defects in a batch of coffee 350 grams of green beans uh, and a defect can be little stones uh takjes, ah. but also beans with insect bites or half beans or uh, some more um infectious diseases like black black beans and sour beans mm-hmm. uh, and if you have for instance one or two or three of those defects You fall into a certain category, and right. from that uh, that era, you have specialty grade coffee, premium grade coffee, off grade coffee. Uh, and if you re- relate it to a uh, flavor point of view, uh, there are cuppers, coffee tasters, yeah. and they grade the coffee. And uh, yeah, 80 plus coffees are specialty, but not if they're not specialty grade. So it's it's like an, uh, it's it's a trading thing, uh, right? Yeah. And so it's a scoring. It. Scor- yeah, scoring. Yeah. Yeah, and the 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 grading is really mathematical, so it's not mm-hmm. it's not it's an objective way of uh, of looking into coffee quality. Yeah, uh, and you can taste that. So the more uh, the the cleaner coffees are uh, are better of flavor. Right. Um, uh, and I don't know how that is with hop, uh, but for coffee, the farmer uh, within coffee. Uh, maybe it's more relatable to wine in that, in that opinion is, yeah. is super important. He creates the quality at, at farm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we can talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into that a bit further. First, let's uh, start as we usually do and let's enjoy a beer together. All right. I have brought this lovely tall boy can in front of us, which is from Arpus Brewing Co. Out of Latvia. It's a blackcurrant and mango sour IPA. Bit of background, a couple of facts on Arpus for you. It was founded in 2017 from, I'm not sure whereabouts in Latvia from. It didn't say which Latvia. town. Yeah, Latvia. The capital being Riga, but um, not entirely sure where these guys are from. I searched their website high and low and it didn't say where. There's no, they're just a microbrewery. There's no brew pub or anything. So if anyone could get in contact with the show and know where, <laughs> know where these guys are based, that would be uh, pretty cool. They specialize in hop forward and fruity sour beers. Uh, this is like a combination of their two favorite styles. And uh, yeah. yeah, my Latvian is also not so good, but I think there's something like an address on the can here. Oh, yeah. It could be Aimuri, maybe the town, because probably they don't put it in. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. 
uh, or maybe then Adazu Novats. Anyone who's good on uh, Latvian geography, let us know. The postal code is LV2164. Yeah, all right. (laughs) I got that. All right, let's crack it open. I I also read something about this brewery and uh, I saw Riga, the capital, mentioned uh, once or twice, but I'm not sure if they're actually located there. Yeah, I saw that they had some kind of beer events in Riga, but I, I didn't want to assume that that's where they're based. Okay, no, yeah, I'm not sure. I um, haven't came across this brewery yet, um, but uh, you told me that you're going to bring this to the show, so I read up on it, and yeah, it looks very much like a, a modern beer, right? So this yeah. 44 milliliter can, uh, nice and uh, shiny label, or well, matte uh, uh, sticker. Uh, very clean, like uh, design. Professional, yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, beer style, that's very modern as well. Mm-hmm. Blackcurrant, mango, sour IPA. So uh, fruited, uh, hoppy beer, uh, but also with some acidity, uh, probably uh, produced by lactic acid bacteria. Um, but also the ingredients list, lactose, uh, yeah, mango, blackcurrant, of course, hops, vanilla as well, and uh, and yeast. And Definitely taste the vanilla in there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 a bit along those. So it's a sour beer, it's a hoppy beer, but also very much uh, along or in the direction of the more dessert style beers, I guess, where yeah. lactose and vanilla um, can create these creamy, uh, creamy, rich beers with some fruit that uh, have flavors that can remind of certain uh, desserts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the appearance is a bit hazy. Not so thick head on top of it. You see that often with sour beers that uh, the proteins that form the head are degraded a bit. And, and the head and so, is the foam you talk yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's little foam retention on top of the beer. Beer's a bit hazy. It smells fruity a bit. Definitely. A very deep creamy uh, also. Cassis, uh, yeah. Very cassis like. Yeah. Black currants, yeah. Not so much mango on yeah, the nose, mostly the, the yeah. darker red fruit. And a bit of vanilla in the back, I get. Oh, yeah. And then the flavor, <laughs> that's funny, huh? That it's, uh, it becomes so creamy. And then, yeah, then the vanilla comes thick. through more. And the thickness of the lactose, or so lactose milk sugar, is a <clears throat> it's a pretty small sugar molecule. But it, uh, yeah, the regular brewing yeast, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, doesn't uh, convert it into alcohol and CO2. So it's... It's not, if you taste it, it's not super sweet, but it brings often more creaminess or body, but not so much sweetness actually to a beer. Um, so yeah, unless if you lose, use like really a lot, then beers can really come across uh, sweet. But um, yeah, I think this, if I, if I smell the beer, it's really refreshing, super fruity, but the flavor then becomes way creamier and uh, like this really rich mouthfeel that I, yeah, associate also with uh, lactose. Mm. Mm. Yeah, acidity is definitely there. And like, where does the uh, like the IPA style come into it? Like the yeah. hop. Yeah, it's an interesting question. It, uh, I uh, I don't. I'm looking for a bottle date now. Uh, best before thirteenth of June. So maybe if they put a year on it, 
because it's not it's not super sour acidic kind of thing and i always think when you see a sour ipa it means it's maybe a little bit more accessible uh, that's also maybe their decision i think ipa can mean a lot of a lot of things these days and uh but what it usually does mean is that there's more than average amount of hops in a beer and mm. i think with a beer like this that has sourness but also a lot of fruit um it's really up to the brewer if you call it a sour ipa like okay what i'm gonna put in the forefront the hops or the fruit or mm. a bit of both i think we have a beer that we packed actually today i brought some bottles on the table called oh, yes. Marie. it's uh also a sour hop forward beer with mango but we chose to have the mango be supportive of the of the hop flavor so i think a lot of the tropical fruit flavors are derived from the hops and we we back it up with the use of some some mango um i think in this beer it's a bit the other way around yep. so yep. the dark fruits definitely forward mm-hmm. mango supports that a bit and then i think the hop is is maybe supporting all all that fruity uh uh flay all those fruity flavors what do you think case no i think it's uh what, what i said it for me it's a lot of uh, gusses mm-hmm. uh and i saw it seven and a half percent you don't really taste oh, yeah. that it's quite uh yeah. for me quite light refreshing beer actually summery yeah uh, very fruity yeah i don't get the mango that much more the for me the, the same uh, i don't get the mango the gusses, which is very uh outspoken yeah but i uh it's under- it's funny how you talk about sours and IPA and sour IPAs and then uh it's it made me realize when I hear you talk about it that the um uh that a more only a sour beer can be more thinner in that aspect or more uh only in the sour direction uh where this is not only sour it's more more like a fruit drink to me yeah definitely but also and you don't think it's sweet but I think it's quite sweet yeah it is sweet yeah now after a couple sips it it sort of gets more intense i think yeah yeah Yeah, that's gonna yeah usually uh beers with higher abv have more body or also more residual sweetness and with lactose added uh that can yeah that only increases the the perceived sweetness or the yeah the actual sweetness as well but it's a like a summer beer right yeah yeah for sure is this a, a, a beer style you would gravitate towards or uh no i I like to i like to try uh those things but i'm more like i'm in a drinking uh mode i'm I'm more a pills kind of a guy yeah yeah me too (laughs) 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 but i do like to try i'm a big fan of sour beers but But it's interesting that that's uh with coffee when i started to to, to bring it to coffee uh, no that's why yeah when i started uh (laughs) drinking coffee it was uh people are very surprised that you call a coffee nutty or fruity or acidic or uh and it's it's very nice to see that it's with beer that's also now so mainstream nowadays uh and with coffee also and with with wines it was a long a long time ago but it it brings more uh yeah more uh, interesting companies and interesting flavor uh to the table and that's 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 nice i like that right. yeah and, and and the conversation is more about taste and flavor yeah. and people's preferences yeah. people discover what they exactly. actually like yeah. and what they actually experience when they taste and drink or eat something yeah. i think that's a very positive uh, absolutely uh, yeah. development yeah cool yeah so all in all i think very fruity 
some acidity, but also mm-hmm. some sweetness. Maybe less of an IPA than mm-hmm. uh, one might expect, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Decent, it's decent, uh, yeah, decent beer for a young brewery. Let's say it's yeah. quite a quite a nice accomplished beer. Let's say, yeah. Well, well, we all know of the other uh, Latvian brewery, don't we? You're well. <laughs> but Kassus so does it also. Kassus eh? has a lot of uh, foam always. Eh? Oh, yeah? If you pour like a Kassus from a bottle or a cola from a bottle and you do it the same style, then Kassus <laughs> has a lot more foam usually than cola or sinas. Yeah, what do you what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's uh, more of a blackcurrant syrup used in this or do you reckon they've used... Is there anything you can taste in there that would be able to nah, split that two up? Say, yeah, uh, I think... From practical for practical reasons, brewers often use puree. Yeah, and um, also when we use fruit in in clean fermented beers, it's been mostly puree uh, that we add uh, in the fermenter at the end of primary. So it's also what's primary in the uh, the primary fermentation. Yeah. Uh, so we brew a beer, we send it to the fermenter. Uh, after yeast is added, it, the yeast ferments beer down uh, in a couple of days. And before it's really done, you can add the yeah. fruit. Or when it's almost done, you can add the fruit. And then there's another fermentation because you're adding sugars for, with the fruit. You want those to ferment out and not carried on into the package and that it ferments in the bottle. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Ooh. there's always a bit of the trick to... To or what I try to do is to cap the tank and keep the CO2 in there because if there's a fermentation going on, CO2 is produced and you might lose uh, volatile aroma compounds that you don't want to blow off out of the tank. You want to keep it in there mm-hmm. and keep in the tank and and saturate the beer as much with as you can. So there's always this balance when you add the fruit, how much sugar is left in the beer for fermentation. Uh, when you add the fruit, when you close the tank, because after the fermentation and the beer is done fermenting, you cool the tank to lager. And mm-hmm. then also um, gases that are built up in the headspace of the tank, they can dissolve back into the beer. So then uh, you don't lose all those yeah. precious yeah. Uh, uh, volatile cool. aromas. Yeah. So I think that's a, uh, yeah, a, a very common way to add fruit and not whole fruit because that can clog your lines and uh or valves and ports and um we'd, we've done that in 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 specific tanks or in a barrel or in a blending tank uh, yeah but uh yeah puree or syrups uh are more, more safer often way to and go and yeah. a whole economy around it so you can order those purees at certain beer delivery I think companies. I think there's not a lot of beer supplying or that supply raw Where materials, for instance. Or? Yeah, more oh, fruit companies. Yeah, fruit companies. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we've used fruit from. Actually, we have uh, we've just released a beer uh, studio number thirty where we got in actually freshly picked raspberries that we pureed ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and uh, send it to a fermenter. We tried to pasteurize it also ourselves or heat it a bit to be, to be sure that we don't uh, introduce any wild yeast to, to this clean beer. Um, but there are also, that is something we have done. Um, but more often it's, it's yeah, somewhat bigger companies, I guess, that you you can get a jerry can of 25 liters of uh, puree yeah, or a bag in box or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And yeah, some are more, we've 
I've also been in contact with sort of more high-end fruit producers that often also supply horeca. So, yeah. so more higher-end restaurants for probably desserts or other dishes. And then it's a liter bag. So it's a, m- a bit more work to <laughs> squeeze everything into a tank and uh, get it all in. Then yeah. How, yeah. Many, how many liters of puree would you need then for, yeah, uh, for a big brew? Uh, Yes, I how remember. Percent, I remember percent on a batch. I remember walking up and down this ladder on top of the <laughs> stairs. One of the first, or the second brew of Polyamory, we had mango puree in a bag and box. I think it was a 25 kilo bag and box under my hand, and I had to get it in. And they're pain in the ass to open these bag and box because they have these weird stops that are super tight and in a cardboard. Yeah, it was horrible. I think we had, we added. Somewhere between 100 and 200 kilos or so of puree on a double batch. Uh, yeah, I know. I think it really depends on the fruit also. Uh, depends on the brew size, of course. But in Lambic, uh, sort of rule of thumb is uh, that they use 30% of fruit. So, yeah, so, so 300 well, grams per lot, liter. Right? That's yeah. a lot, grams yeah. per liter. Yeah. I think and, uh, we've been slightly lower than... Uh, and when uh, you, You've done coffee beer probably also in, uh, in the past, didn't you? How many how many percent of coffee would you add to a coffee beer? Yeah, we only did it once, to be honest, with uh, head first. Uh, uh, rest in peace. They're not around anymore, I yeah. guess. Yeah, uh, no, fried heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we had this. We did a. We added cold brew coffee on bottling day to a finished beer. Ah, okay. And it was really small homebrew uh, size, and I've never, uh, yeah, I don't never done it again. <laughs> no, we didn't do it again. No, but I'm very much open to it, and I think it it it's something we can really uh, we should do at some point again uh, in whatever. Uh, but you would do that always in that la- in that last lager no, phase, right? Not or? necessarily. No, no, no. I know breweries who edit in the in the brew kettle, so on the brew day, some in the fermenter, some indeed during bottling. But we had uh, also we introduced some wild yeast with adding it on bottling day, yeah. and uh, it was also a bit of a hassle because I think they made a sort of ice coffee out of it. So they made a filter coffee and then poured that over ice, and that we poured into our bottling bucket, basically mm-hmm. bottled it. But it developed this this uh, this wild character after a couple of months and got a bit over carbs. But at some point, it was really, really good because this earthy, leathery notes from the wild yeast were such a good addition. On it was actually a pale ale. It was a very hop forward beer like Mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a sort of the base recipe was Mama. And we added this um, yeah, natural Yirgacev uh, style Ethiopian coffee uh, that was super fruity and that, that worked really well with the fruity hop flavors. But then uh, these leathery, earthy notes uh, yeah, uh, came on top of it yeah. and that made it so much more deeper and complex. And uh, But also at some point the bread took over and <laughs> that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, mm. wasn't that good anymore. Right, uh, fair enough. Uh, just to finish off with the Arpus beer, uh, it's very, very good. I think in Latvian they say preka, which means oh, cheers. Yeah. So I've done a bit of, preka. Bit preka. of uh, research on saying cheers. So yeah, preka to Arpus. Um, so yeah, let's switch the attention back onto coffee. Uh, we want to start a little bit at the beginning, at the kind of the life cycle of coffee a little bit. Can you explain or summarize 
how that life cycle works from of plant, yourself. yeah, from plant to cup in the, as quick as uh, fashion as possible. Uh, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, well, the coffee tree. Uh, no, let's start. Let's start from the beginning. Then yeah. the, the coffee tree originates from Ethiopia, the Arabica uh, strain. Um, it made its way through Yemen uh, and then in Saudi Arabia, it went to Turkey, and the Turks, the Ottoman, and brought it to uh, Switzerland. Uh, that's the deepest they they got in Europe. And then the Europeans, they they took it over the rest of the world during their colonizations. Uh, it doesn't grow here. No, no, yeah, no. Most likely you can in Casa, but uh, yeah. uh, it's Green probably houses. not profitable. Does it need like a, a very hot climate? It needs uh, no. It needs uh, a moderate climate actually. Okay. Uh, that's why it does it best up in the mountains, in yeah. uh, in tropical areas, uh, especially the the Arabica uh, variety. Um, and the higher it grows, uh, the better the quality uh, statistically uh, becomes. Um, and that uh, that plant uh, is a tree. They keep it at like a uh, like a bush high, so they can pick it easily and they prune it on a yearly basis. So you got like typical coffee farms, uh, which uh, produces cherries once or twice per year. Um, and from that crop, you can um, uh, you can take a little green unroasted coffee bean. Uh, the process is need to take out the bean, wash it, dry it, uh, and then it's ready for transportation, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. This is very, very short, but um, the green bean uh, needs to be roasted. And from that that moment on, it starts smelling uh, and tasting like coffee. Before, it's more a grassy, uh, herby. Uh, you can soak green beans in water. And I tried to make like a split pea soup once oh, out yeah. of it, but uh, really? it's, it's not, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, and, and once you, once you started roasting, uh, it gets the brown uh, characteristics and the aroma and, uh, yeah, and then it becomes coffee. Uh, uh, and then you need to grind it obviously to extract the flavor more easily. Uh, and then you have your cup of coffee. And then we roughly have two styles of uh, extraction. Yeah. Filter extraction, uh, which we all know from the past in uh, in the Netherlands, we really feel filter culture, mm -hmm. and then the uh, espresso culture, uh, where you uh, under high pressure um, extract flavor from the coffee in a much shorter time. Mm. In your opinion, where does the where does the magic happen in a good cup of coffee? Is at the it farm? At the farm? Yeah, no, yeah, no, okay. no doubt about it. And where in the growing season, in the the taking care of the trees? No, I guess I is guess it post picking. Uh, it's post picking there also. I think there. Yeah, no, it's the um, uh, what what we know from uh, from the latest years is that there are certain varieties which produce excellent flavors within certain conditions. Uh, you can think about altitude. Uh, but also the way you prep your coffee indeed. Um, uh, and in some cases you can have really exemplaric uh, flavors. Uh, and currently those are the best sold coffees. Uh, and it's not in big volume. It's really small volume uh, coffee and very high, highly priced uh, coffees. Uh, and the, the preparation of the coffee, the transportation of the coffee, the roasting of the coffee, the brewing of the coffee, and then obviously putting sugar in your coffee can all destroy this uh, quality. Uh, but the magic happens there, right there at that farm, at that altitude, in that conditions, that terroir, mm -hmm. that farmer who talks to his plants or mm -hmm. prune it the right way or uh, give the white uh, types of um, 
uh, voedingsstoffen. Um, that, that, all, that all is... Um, so these are some of the kind of factors that you could do locally to help enhance those flavors of the bean. Yeah, you need to. Yeah. yeah, you need to. Yeah, and good farmers they know that, and usually that uh, it's not an accident that they produce uh, good quality coffee. That's a deliberate choice, um, and that's not uh, unfortunately not uh, in all the cases because a lot of farmers they uh, they they are just cash crop farmers, uh, and they do it just for the for the money and not for the quality of coffee, uh, and therefore there's also such a huge quality difference between uh, between those beans. Mm. Yeah. yeah cool like in in we obviously i brought a sour beer to the table and uh in it's our, the, this one no sorry the one that we drank ah, right at the beginning yeah. the the one from argus in in our in the beer world that is kind of considered maybe a style that has a lot of flavor and depth but isn't appreciated by everyone it's kind of a bit more of a niche flavor is there certain strains of coffee that you find that as well that are a bit more have a bit more depth or, or and then for some people are kind of just two out there on their flavor palette. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that's certainly the case. We have a lot, and the, um, there's a lot of, um, especially in the Scandinavian uh, countries, the roasting style is quite light, uh, and with that you enhance the acidity of a coffee bean. Uh, there's a lot of acidity in coffees, organic acids, uh, and the lighter you roast, the more they stay intact, uh, and the more you taste them. And uh, from the past, that's not uh, that's we, we don't know that from the past from coffee because it's been roasted till such degree that you taste mainly the uh, the carbonization of the product uh, and not the acids anymore. Uh, and currently, we see like uh, yeah, the mainstream supermarket coffees; uh, they still have that roasting style, quite dark. Uh, and uh, the smaller independent roasters, they uh, they have somewhat of a lighter roast style. Some into extremes very light mm -hmm. uh, but there's a whole playing field uh, very uh, this is very deep into the coffee but you have the first crack and the second crack during the roasting process uh, first crack being the releases of uh, h2o vapor and second crack releases of co2 vapor uh, and within those two markers uh, most of the coffee roasters dump their coffee they stop the roasting process and the more you are at the uh, first crack site the lighter your coffee will become and the more acidic your coffee will be. Uh, and this works with um, quality coffees, with specialty coffees, which are produced by a farmer who does, who knows what to do and there's no defects in it. But if you roast a um, uh, commodity coffee very light, uh, what you will do is present the original quality of that coffee bean uh, because you taste the defects more clearly. Uh, and that's what they didn't like in the past when quality coffees weren't... Uh, weren't available so you see that the, you know, the better our coffee becomes the more lighter it it's roasted by a lot of uh roasteries yeah. mm -hmm. okay so the and answer is yes okay right <laughs> so <laughs> and what what is i'm sure you've just mentioned it but what is your role in the coffee making process uh, well, currently I'm a cafe owner, obviously, yeah. so I'm uh, in charge of the last part. Okay. Uh, but as a coffee roaster, uh, which not all cafe owners are, yeah. I'm also in charge of my uh, coffee supply. Uh, and then I'm also a consultant. Uh, so I also train new roasters. in. Uh, so my influence in, in Holland 
uh, as a person, I can influence how, how people roast their coffee mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and therefore how it tastes in the, in the cafe. Yeah. And uh, what so we drink. I, mm. I have three change under my command at this point. Yeah, mm. yeah but uh, for the most important one, obviously, is the cafes, the, the barista part mm-hmm. uh, and the training of the personnel, making sure the, giant, the grinders are adjusted and the uh, temperature is not too high. Mm-hmm. The uh, equipment is clean uh, and that the foam is of a nice consistency. Mm-hmm. And that's hard enough for uh, if you have 25 people on your playlist. Yeah, for sure. I can understand that. But when it comes to roasting, what what's, what's the craft there? What's the process that you do in the roastery? Now, that's for me the most exciting part because you can um, uh, control the flavor of how it will taste in the cup. Right. Uh, I explained that with a lighter roast style or a darker roast style, you can... Um, uh, modify the acidity as you will but not only the acidity also the bitterness and the sugar uh, there's uh, sucrose in the coffee bean and the more you caramelize that sucrose the less sweet your coffee is going to uh, be uh, and the darker you roast the less acidic uh, but in all cases it becomes more bitter uh, so as a roaster you play with uh, sweetness uh, acidity and bitterness and it's like a mangpanil if you have in front of you it's like three schuifjes and i tried to find a balance within uh, especially acidity and bitterness mm-hmm. coffee uh, is a little bit supposed to be bitter chlorogenic acid which is a big part of coffee is bitter uh, caffeine is bitter uh, and cafe yeah, yeah. there's a lot of bitter components uh, dur- developed during roasting but also in the green bean itself uh, so we can't go around the fact that it should taste a little bit bitter. Um, but it's nice to add some acidity to that and some sweetness. So I'm, and in, in style of roasting, if you want to talk about that, because yeah. there's a lot of rest- different roasting styles among uh, roasters in um, in the world or Amsterdam for that matter. Um, I'm more of a balanced type of a roasting style. Uh, so not too light definitely not too dark uh, but i always try to have a little bit of bitterness not only acidity but like a combination of all three of them mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and also depending on the um, on the coffee bean itself eh? so uh, coffee from uh, brazil has a lot of nutty characteristics uh, so it makes sense for me to roast that a little bit darker to enhance the nutty components and a coffee from ethiopia has a lot of citric acidity mm-hmm. and by roasting it lighter i enhance those those floral and citrus notes uh which belong yeah belong to the coffee it produces it, it yeah, those flavors from from its terroir where it grows so i always think that's what the coffee wants to to show to do right? yeah. Yeah. yeah okay right and I, I so during training i i i uh, finish all those slideshows with uh, you can't turn a brazil into a kenya it doesn't okay. work if, if a coffee is nutty then t- don't try to get acidity in it because it's it gonna backfire. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it wants to it wants to display a different type of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a roaster, you're almost preserving or drawing out its kind of natural profile, essentially. Yeah. 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 Do you get that from the green bean? Or is no, you it, need, is you it need chemical to chemical analysis? Test, uh, yeah. yeah, you need to do a couple of test roasts. Yeah. So I always start, obviously, after 20 years, you have a broad vision of what how countries are supposed to taste uh, for Ethiopia, yeah. Sumatra, etc. But you always do like uh, three different roasts, three colors, and okay. that color you pick your favorite color, right. uh, and that color in three different times, 10, 12, and 14 minutes. And 
The factor time in roasting is very important because you allow a Maillard reaction to take place and caramelization. And if you do it too short, your coffee becomes too superficial. If you do it too long, uh, you'll evaporate your acidity and you'll create only bitters. So time and color are most key parameters in uh, roasting. But it's also, uh, it's, it can be matters of seconds. Sometimes you're 10 seconds too late and then uh, mm. you fucked up a roast. Uh, <laughs> it's but the, the, the beans don't come with a spec sheet. With no. certain companies. No, no. Okay. no, there are a lot of specialty trading companies who do that. Yeah. But I never listen to that. Okay. Uh, Where did why? you uh, because or? the it's it's much it's much too nice to do that research yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Drink a lot of coffee, and figure it's also out the profile. An, uh, yeah. Usually it's more like from a marketing point of view that they use those spec sheets. Yeah. Uh but I think the journey to find uh sometimes I've, you buy like a, I have the season roast, and after a whole season, then I have a roast and think, yes, this is it. Yeah, this is how we. Yeah, <laughs> that, finished. Finished. And yeah that is finished. Yeah. 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 and it's that's the nice uh, that's the nice part of the vind ik tenminste van ambacht en de broodbak of that journey into looking. Yeah, yeah. finding out. Yeah, finding the craft, out. Yeah, yeah, the craft yeah. side yeah. of it. Yeah. But um, so you get it mostly through the the raw material you get through traders or also direct yeah. from farmers or via I, traders you're in contact with farmers yeah, get influence what exactly. they do in that's, the field. Uh, you have three three different styles currently and you all delay you laid them out. So traders you, you just buy from a warehouse. Yeah. Uh, direct from a farmer, which is virtually impossible because you you are a roaster, you have a company, you live in Holland, you have no contacts in Brazil, Ethiopia, no. Sumatra. Yeah. If you want to do a direct trade model, you need to go there at least once a year. And to make that worthwhile, the investment, you need to do like a container of coffee per year. Right. Uh, so that's, uh, it's a nice idea, but the practical side is a little bit too expensive unless you act on a bigger uh, scheme of work. And with Coffee Capital, we don't. So. Um, uh, luck, that being said, I do have uh, the Brazilians from uh, Bruno, which I know. He's on my phone. We app, and uh, I got pictures of his dog and uh, and of the farm and the new harvest. And Great. so it's really yeah. nice to have uh, such a personal uh, relationship with right. the producer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also difficult to stop with him because uh, he becomes a friend. Uh, yeah. But uh, still, it's 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 nice, and we we've been to his farm, to his house. Uh, but do you get a bit of? what he actually does in the field or can you yeah. talk with him okay i yeah, want this when, plot or yeah, i want, I want we, you to pick later or you want to do this that yeah but uh, i need to be careful with that because he's the farmer i'm not yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um but you, you're the brewer or and roaster yeah but uh, a, a roaster <clears throat> and even a coffee professional from 20 years doesn't need to think he's better than an average farmer in brazil no but you might have experience <clears throat> in a different field of in the, the part from from field to, to yeah. cup uh nah, it's always interesting to talk with him about yeah. it and the first yeah. step is to know somebody to to get right. engaged yeah, that, yeah. Uh, to get that conversation going and <clears throat> when we were in brazil we 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 upped a lot of uh things uh for instance they harvest mechanical which is kind of uh, not done in the specialty coffee scene and he said oh but if you want me to harvest it by hand that's no problem at all <laughs> uh i have here 12 <laughs> ladies who can do it uh, so let's calculate the extra cost of that. Yeah. And we calculated in the bus, because in Brazil you drive hours and hours. Uh, we calculated that it would easily cost us three euro extra per kilo, uh, which made the coffee suddenly nine euro 50. And then it should be just as good as an average Ethiopian coffee, which 
most likely it's not. Uh, and to do those kinds of experiments, experiments with human, who, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's that's tricky, and it takes also a lot of uh, extra cost a lot of extra money yeah um uh but it's it's very nice to uh, to think about it with a farmer in in such an uh, open style of working right? yeah 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 great yeah, uh, yeah and they do they do a lot of um his daughter is is the um uh, coffee brewing champion of brazil uh, so they do a rich lot of coffee heritage, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They are really professionals as well. But so they do a lot of tests in fermentation. With uh, they do actual fruits, then uh, mandarins or the uh, the Brazilian variety of a mandarin mm -hmm. uh, during fermentation of the coffee beans, which uh, yeah, they interchange a lot of uh, flavors. So they say this. so. The experimentation on farms is uh, is full on at this moment. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Where did you learn how to be a roaster? Uh, from that uh, from that company from that company yeah. okay yeah it was a coffee roasting company uh, called the golden coffee box from baren oh, yeah uh owned by the family boat uh, yeah. and uh, our jacob boat he he taught me everything he knew about uh, coffee so we mm -hmm. went like four or five friday mornings to his home and they taught us the basics of cupping coffee tasting and uh and they're the brothers Barend and Willem are well-known coffee experts from uh, Holland. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this is this is 1999. There, there wasn't any coffee culture in Holland at that point. Uh, so there wasn't any coffee schooling like it is now. There was no training program like there is now. Uh, so we, it was all self-taught. And my learning curve was quite uh, low. So uh, mm -hmm. I need to... Yeah, there was no type of education uh, at that point so it was more trial and error and a lot of smelling and tasting and uh, but a little bit in the dark yeah uh, and then slowly but surely in uh, from the states mainly a lot of uh, education platforms came and also organizations called the specialty coffee association of america and right. there's also an european branch and an asian branch and currently there's a lot of um, education possible within roasting brewing tasting all the coffee uh, factors you can educate yourself. Right, okay. Uh, and I myself am a uh, trainer in the roasting part for the for that organization. Okay. Uh, That's interesting. So you started roasting at their place, basically? No, uh, you, I started roasting at the Golden Coffee Box, yeah. indeed. Yeah, and I, I was just in trial and error. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I'm roasting now 15 years. For, yeah. yeah. Not 20 years almost. Does this mean there's a lot of new roasters? Is there, is there yeah. a right? Yeah. Yeah, there are. Is it maybe a rise of um, similar cafes and institutions like what Kepler are? A lot of co a lot of coffee yeah, houses are choosing I'm to roast their places. Than, uh, than all those, than that wave of, uh, for instance, you mentioned uh, Head First. Yeah. But we, in Amsterdam, we it started with Boca, uh, which is really mainstream big currently. Uh, and you have like dozens of uh, specialty coffee bars uh, with uh, coffee roasteries uh, and they uh, they're all friends of mine oh, uh, we, uh, we all knew each other because we're all in the business for uh, for a long time and a little like young like-minded people my generation people white label and uh, Umbaba and is others. it is it similar <coughs> to try and make a comparison to the craft beer landscape i guess is it similar so, is yeah. it is it similar to a yeah. lot of sharing of ideas and trying to figure out things i have a uh, problem with this easier with people you like uh, yeah but that's probably the same in the brewing landscape i would say but yeah <clears throat> so uh, we have an um a coffee app uh, a group chat <laughs> uh and i see some roasters which are not in there 
okay. and some are, and also from, and I, I'm not the owner of that group, but that's, that's, uh, and also myself, but I, uh, you have contact with some of the roasters and with some you don't, but, uh, yeah. that's, that's fine. But usually, uh, it's, uh, no, I, spe- I have a really warm bond with the uh, white label and legs from, um, at first and the espresso fabric and, um, we all worked at the Espresso Fabrique together. We had an own Espresso Bar mm-hmm. uh, roaster, sto- Stoker Company also. Mm-hmm. Such oh, yeah. An, uh, yeah. With Ono, I had an Espresso Bar in the Hartenstraat uh, a long time ago. Yeah. So we all know each other and uh, we kind of have an, uh, like a pact. We don't we don't attack each other. So we, uh, we don't fuck on their turf. So I don't go uh, lobbying at cafes. They have their coffee. I would never do that. And I hope they also don't do it with me. But um, mm-hmm. So we mainly uh, uh, try to s- find new customers in the pool of the, yeah, the, let's say the Dow Efforts kind of, uh, yeah, 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 the Dow Efforts kind of uh, sphere, uh, which makes the pie of specialty coffee bigger. Uh, and uh, I think we all have a very big love of the flavor of coffee. Yeah. Uh, and also being an entrepreneur, we are all entrepreneurs. So that's. Uh, yeah and that's that's an that's a global international yeah it's a global uh, thing i think yeah, I, I'm, yeah first world i think there's big comparisons but, yeah. to a lot of other similar uh, institutions and, like especially and bread brewing is the next thing yeah so uh yeah uh, it was also the, the baking is also uh, a lot of small bakers coming back and yeah. that, uh, that's why i also i'm a baker currently so i also yeah. brought my own bread but, since corona or before that uh now we both we bake the sure. bread yeah this is uh, let's try some of it yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, Kepler, they you they have a store now and bake their own bread and sell and sell oh, really? it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was there once uh, in the shop, but then the bread was already sold out. Yeah, yeah. yeah we started uh, baking our bread from the start of Kepler. We are open now for three years, uh, but since uh, Corona, actually, uh, we moved the bakery to the roastery, uh, and uh, we do it uh, we do it ourselves, my compagnon and uh, me, every day seven o'clock, and uh, we bake for the cafe and for the shop. Uh, and it's just a process of uh, baking bread that's so nice. It's yeah. a, it's a three day process. Uh, it's it's more more into the beer style than the coffee style, I would say. Both have all three of them have made our reaction, eh? but mm-hmm. uh, the fermentation part in sourdough is so much more uh, raakvlakken met uh, beer. I guess so. Um, so the uh, because it's it's it's, uh, it's some, something you need to control uh, with temperature mm-hmm. uh, and also with flavor. So we do a lot of um, uh, yeah, it's a lot of trial and error, but uh, we are very happy with the results. Uh, yeah, and a lot of uh, customers they asked if you can buy the bread, but we were very afraid we can't. Uh, yeah, we, don't, we don't have enough bread then for the cafe. Yeah, because yeah, we yeah. have a small oven. It's like yeah. a like a fridge size oven. It's uh, okay. three plates. So it's, yeah, yeah, how it's, many breads do you bake per? No, I can do rest? twelve per round. Oh, yeah, uh, and we have big loaves for the cafe for the lunch. Yeah, and we currently sell. Uh, it's it's nothing or ten between twelve and twenty breads per day. I think. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tastes good. Delicious, man. Yeah. yeah. And it's really nice to um it's really nice to do. Yeah. yeah. No, I think there <clears throat> there are definitely similarities with the craft beer scene, you know. Um there are plenty of like minded brewers in Amsterdam, but also abroad international that uh, I can I consider French, you know. Yeah. Um and got to know through this profession. I think in beer is kind of different. I think you don't see much cafes having 
five taps or five different coffees or so no. and that's in beer that's a different uh different thing i guess yeah you also don't drink five coffees yeah that's no. uh yeah uh, that's that's the that's a pity of coffee you don't get drunk of it so uh <laughs> no but <laughs> i remember <laughs> the adverse <Yeah>. effect <laughs> the opposite effect <laughs> i guess really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but or you don't sleep i remember yeah. this, this, this this cupping ses- session we did um with Lex uh, when we wanted to do beer together and I didn't sleep uh, oh, that yeah. night, you oh. know. And I, <laughs> I spat or spit, I, I, mm-hmm. I, it out, yeah. I spat it out. But still, I sipped, uh, I wanted to, to also taste it and swallow it, but I was uh, on fire. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> to, uh, do anything. Uh, no, that's true. That's actually, it was uh, one time in Athens and there was... There was actually this guy who uh, who offered five different uh, coffees from five different specialty roasters in Athens. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, that's cool. And that was the only thing he did. He only had coffee, but uh, yeah, but that's the yeah. thing. In certain yeah. specialty coffee places that yeah. don't run a bar, just do coffee or maybe some sweets or some sandwiches. That mm. then you see it. Sometimes. And even then, I can imagine it's difficult because we I consider our cafe as uh, not your average specialty bar, but we do take coffee very very serious. And I have three grinders. Yeah, uh, and I don't. It's 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 difficult because a grinder works when it works. It needs to just be on, and yeah. then the burrs are getting a bit swollen up, and you adjust your grinder to that. And if if a grinder doesn't move, yeah, move yeah. so it stands still for more than a half an hour, then the coffee sits in there still. There's always a little bit of ground coffee which comes out first, which was yeah. actually a residue from the last grind yeah. setting. So it just needs to go on. And if yeah. it if it doesn't, so even for me with three grinders, there's one who is I'm not uh, concerned about. Uh, it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm not so happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, actually need to find. I train the people to flush it, like a half second, two seconds. Yeah. Just purge it a little bit, so you have really fresh ground. But yeah, I'm, uh, sometimes probably it's uh, it's just a half hour hour old shot, which is not. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that, man. Uh, you can't uh, can't make that. No. <laughs> it should be like uh, maximum five minutes or even shorter. <laughs> no. uh, we're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Case and Sander to call Betsy and Grant from Gezellich Brewery in Newton, Iowa, USA. An obvious Dutch connection here with the American brewers. They managed to find some time in between a busy brewing schedule to talk about what they've been keeping chill in their fridge recently. So let's give them a call. Hi there. I assume this is Danny. It is. Is that Betsy? Uh, yes. Yes. This is Betsy. I'm going to find Grant. He was just mashing a beer in. Oh, great. Oh, cool. Nice. Okay. Good to see that you're actually in action brewing. <laughs> Absolutely. So where does the Dutch connection come from then? Um, the Dutch connection actually comes from a town that I happen to live in, which is Pella, Iowa. Okay. It has a very rich Dutch heritage, and I had worked to build the brewery there, so I really wanted a uh, Dutch name. We we use Dutch colors and nice. some of the other, yeah, Dutch elements. Yeah. And we ended up as Dutch Dutch refugees in Newton, Iowa. Danny, meet Grant. Grant, Danny. This is where Grant will come in, and he's giggling already. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, what's going on? Hey, Grant. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Oh, yeah. I uh, I just started laughing because uh, we kind of looked into doing a, was it a couch beer? Okay, yeah. Nice. That's a really traditional old style 
Yeah, it looked like it was going to be kind of a boring style, so we talked about maybe making it like a fruited lactose couch beer, so I had it. It was on the docket as Milkshake, uh, M-E-L-K. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, yeah. The plan changed, but uh, no, oddly enough, uh, we want a GABF for German and Belgian beers, so yeah, I, okay, I guess nice. I feel like that's very touched, right, to get out and about. That's what we all drink. Now, would you guys be up for talking about what's in your fridge today? Absolutely. I just uh, went to uh, Costco. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of room. I have three kids. There's not a lot of room for beer, but we do have some good ones in there. All right, cool. Okay. Uh, my fridge is pretty loaded up with a lot of local Iowa beers. So I think I have a cucumber Kolsch, a couple different hazies. I kind of let the other local brewers do some of our hop R&D for us. So uh, any new hazy with a a hop combination I haven't tried or a new hop and it. it's pretty much in my fridge. So let's see, I think double nod is a double IPA from big Grove here. I think there's something mustachio or something from exile. I can't remember. It's got like a wrestler with a mask on it or something, but yeah, just, I try to stay in touch with the local scene. Nice. Who are some of the big uh, players? Who are some of the more standout brewers in uh, Newton? We're not too far from uh, the capital of the state Des Moines. So yeah, confluence exile, Big Groves out near Iowa City. Um, I'm sure, you know, all, all names you guys have heard of in Amsterdam, of course. Yeah, yeah. We get them in some of the better beer shops for sure. What other beer styles will you see are quite kind of regular in uh, in Iowa? Almost anything fruited is pretty popular here. Yeah. Here in Iowa, the Swizzles are, are definitely fortifying the position. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? She's <laughs> referring to our, our slushy style beers that we... We kind of make fun of and named after Taylor Swift. So. All right, okay. <laughs> they are basically an overfruited sour, which has has been really fun. Right, okay. Explosive result and can be yielded as well. Yeah. So. All right, okay. What kind of beers are you guys known for doing? We just entered our second year of our doors being opened and and being a company here. But in October, we entered the Great American Beer Festival in in Colorado in the United States here. And um, two of Grant's entries actually uh, won a silver medal. So I would say those are two most notable. A German Hefeweizen and a... um, Pineapple, passion fruit, Gewürztraminer, grape juice, saison. Whoa, that sounds crazy. That one. That's what? What is it like? (laughs) That one sounds really, really interesting. So we use pretty stripped down saison base, a little bit of malted rye, a little bit of flaked oats, and then uh, actually on a pretty cool uh, yeast strain called Saison Steins Monster from Omega Yeast in Chicago. Cool. They actually bred the Belgian and the French Saison yeast together and made a hybrid yeast out of it. Right. So we use that yeast and then, yeah, we just just pump it full of grape juice and a ton of fruit, basically. And uh, it's kind of fun. It's got a nice, you know, obviously the, the grape juice kind of lowers the pH a little, so it kind of borders on sour without being sour. Is there a lot of other makers in your area doing other interesting things and not just brewing beer? Like, do you find that there are other people making interesting drinks? We have several friends here in Iowa that are local cider makers. Oh, so, nice. uh, cideries are, are pretty great. And there are several Iowa distilleries as well. Cool. 
Yeah, we're definitely seeing our, because I think we're a little over 100 breweries here just in the state we're in. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to see some of, the, some of the other a little more out there things pop up. But, yeah, we have a cidery not far away that's doing a lot of, like, um, I don't know if he's doing, he's doing pretty wild fermentations. I don't know if he's doing truly open things or what exactly he's doing. But, yeah, we, we've got some fun stuff going on. Uh, we're not sure we want to dip our toe into to distilling just yet, but uh, you never know. All right, guys. Nice. Well, thanks for chatting to me. I think I'll leave you to uh, brewing some beer. Back to brewing a hazy rye double IPA for me. All right. Nice, man. All right. Well, thank you very much for chatting to me. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you so much, Danny. This was fun. All right, cool. Keep in touch. I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. Alrighty. How do? Thanks, Danny. How do? <laughs> a very special thank you to Betsy and Grant. Excited to try their version of a Coit beer whenever it comes available. If you want some information on Herzelic Brewery, you can check out the show notes. You can also get in touch with me to talk about your fridge via the address radio at udipus.com. But for now, let's get back into it with Case and Sander. So besides the like technical sides of coffee, in society it has quite like a significant role when it's not drinking a beer, it's drinking a coffee, let's say, in business, with friends, on dates. Uh, why do you think it is so special, being a cafe owner as well? Like, why do you think it's so special to uh, share so a coffee? It's in the culture of Holland, I think. Yeah? Yeah, uh, FM Bucky doon. <laughs> but all around the world, Pilsen, everyone, Bucky, I mean, even yeah. I'm from England, We everyone drinks coffee as yeah, well. But you're more tea drinkers, right? Also, yeah, that's also, also from yeah. colony times. Uh, we had coffee, you guys had tea. I think yeah. that's from that age, it's, uh, it's just being normalized or something. Yeah. Uh, the drink that uh, enjoys like social, you, appreciate the like moment. the social glue that you drink. Yes. Do you have a favorite uh, moment? We're, we're top one coffee drinkers, I believe, or maybe currently two or something. But oh, the, yeah. Dutch so? the Dutch really? people, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. I didn't know I drink that. drink a lot of coffee, yeah. No way. Do you have a favorite moment for enjoying a coffee during the day? Uh, yeah, well, it's, that's a bit difficult, actually. Really? Because um, when I drink coffee, I mainly taste it. So I never just drink a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes a little bit the pleasure out of uh, the drinking moment because you're you're doing your profession and okay. not uh, and not just enjoying a cup of coffee. Mm. Uh, so in the morning when I do in the cafe, I always taste all the three the grinders, and that's just work because you drink one or two espressos and then you have like six espressos in five minutes. It's just not nice. <laughs> you can never <laughs> drink coffee like that. Oh, and I man. don't drink them whole, but I spit it out. But your whole mouth is full with coffee flavor and it's not supposed, that's not the way how you drink coffee. So, uh, so and, and my, my favorite, I, I like more filter coffee. I'm more a filter kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, so we do batch brew in the, in the shop. And uh, when, when I just come to deliver the bread currently, then I always take immediately a mug. I check first to see if they already made the coffee. And then uh, I take a mug of coffee and I just sit for a bit, talk with the colleagues. That's basically currently my favorite moment because then I don't think about it. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, like we talk a lot about the modern versus traditional when we're talking about beer uh, scene or beer movement a lot on this show. Has the way we consumed coffee changed a lot in recent times? No, I don't think that much, actually. Um, the whole 
they, they started counting waves and eh, the coffee scene first wave okay. second wave third yeah. wave and um uh, <laughs> like starbucks they they paved the road for a modern type of coffee consumption when did they start yeah, a 90s? long time ago a long time or, ago yeah. or really? 90s or yeah, 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 yeah i think longer, longer ago. in seattle they had their first uh but they made like uh, the mcdonald's style of coffee big lattes mm. uh and that's that was then the second wave of coffee drinkers and that made it then espresso became normal cappuccino became normal and i think we are still at that scale you see like a, uh, a very small portion of urban communities who drink uh, top quality filter coffees mm -hmm. but i think the mainstream people still drink espresso and cappuccino and what the specialty scene did a little bit is that the mainstream cafes they started brewing their coffee better mm -hmm. so they all now almost no store or a cafe has a grinder with a dosing compartment at the front it's all grind on demand that's that's a little bit of those things who trickle down from that specialty scene uh that's really a good thing i think so the even the mainstream coffee although they aren't being drinking espressos and cappuccinos for over 30 years now in mm -hmm. every bar in every corner of Holland, uh, gradually it becomes a little bit better, but everybody still drinks cappuccino. Yeah. It's just cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that's obviously ruining the, the coffee. No, yeah, good yeah. cappuccino can be very, very nice, but um, uh, the majority of the cappuccinos is, is very, very bad. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, no, no, no. I'm, I'm keen to get your opinion on this. Yeah, so the milk is too hot, the foam is too airy, and the coffee is of lousy quality, too old, and 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 brewed on a too high temperature, because uh, cheaper machines uh, on offer have um, they have the the downside that they have a lot of power in the steam, but that makes the coffee brewing temperature a, a little bit too high, mm -hmm. but that made it made it affordable for everybody. So those are two, three thousand euro machines for cafes, which coffee is obviously not important for them, but they do serve cappuccino and that creates such a bad cappuccino and everybody just drinks it. Yeah. So the majority, you would say, in your opinion, the majority of cafes out there are serving bad coffee. Oh, yeah. No doubt about yeah. It. No doubt about it. I've never drink coffee here. I think it's, uh, you see that also in beer, right? right uh, yeah. The majority of the cafes, the <clears throat> bar owners uh, are not as much into it as specialty beer places. You know, that a really specific beer bar, they know how to clean their lines. They know that also yeah. in a tap line, you have this last bit of beer in the faucet, you know, mm -hmm. that you don't want in your glass. It can be sitting there for a couple of minutes. You don't want it. Can yeah. be fruit flies in and out. Uh, you have to clean your lines. You can get infections because the faucet is out in open air and there's beer there and there's all these microorganisms uh around in a bar of course and um yeah you can get an infection in your beer line or in your coupler and then mm -hmm. it gets in your keg and if the beer doesn't move some some bars have more than 10 taps also uh some move more than others uh yeah you see uh not all bar owners taking the amount of effort or i don't have the time do it have the time. Now, Case, given your knowledge, if a, it's funny because you had the phone call, but given your knowledge, if a beer maker was to come to you and ask uh, for advice on using coffee in a beer, what what advice and knowledge would you give to them in order to make like a, a special now, beer? We did uh, with your neighbors, Valhalla. We yeah, did, yeah. Uh, two, uh, two beers and 
uh, I think the um, uh, uh, we we did a darker roast specifically, and also a darker beer style, uh, because I think that uh, that works better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the coffee itself, as in being a chocolate nutty kind of a product, the acidity as an elusive thing to capture. Um, I think it's very difficult to capture and mix it with somebody else and then still have the full profit of that acidity. So I I don't believe myself in light um, light beer coffee styles. Mm-hmm. So we choose a darker uh, roast style. Uh, and I did it, I think, in the lager uh, fa- mm-hmm. phase. Mm-hmm. At the, and then we crushed the beans mm-hmm. uh, and... and I uh, soaked it for 24 hours or something. Or yeah. they, they did Cold it. extraction. Yeah. Coarse grind. Yeah. 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 At the last uh, process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, no, yeah, but uh, we tasted the beer and, uh, but yeah, then uh, I, I, I didn't really like the beer, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. But because it was a really dark stout kind of uh, style. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, as that's funny because with coffee tasting, that's um, uh, when you first start to taste coffee and also train people. It's it's very easy and tempting to say, "Oh, this is lacquer. Oh, mm. this is nice." Or yeah, and why is that? Because it's easy, uh, but it says nothing. Uh, it says something about that you like it, but it doesn't give any direction to the flavor of that product. So it's, so it's, it's not very specific. It's not specific at all. No. Uh, and uh, we are being trained as coffee tasters to, to drop that immediately. So you always talk about the flavor aspect and not, not if you like it, yes or no, uh, but it has uh, citrusy notes, floral notes. And there's only one component where you can uh, show your copper preference Okay, it has a lot of peach and acidity, and but I don't like it at all. So, mm-hmm. but usually you talk about the, the flavor aspects of that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that. Uh, sorry, what? Dark beer. Yeah, and so with beer and with beer, I don't have that. I don't have that uh, capacity. So then I, I only think oh, I don't like this beer style. Mm. I don't like this beer style. Uh, that uh, so okay. I don't have the. The experience of beer tasting of so I can yeah yeah I can, uh, okay. I can disconnect my personal preference of of, yeah. of the quality of the that certain beer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think stouts, but, but the coffee came out uh, nice, and that was that was nice to see yeah. that you can uh, in a subtle hint the coffee came out. Uh, yeah, it, it was recognizable mm. as a coffee beer. Yeah. You we spoke about uh, cupping before, but um, I think that's the way to to mm-hmm. to. Uh, judge a coffee right yeah. or or but is it why is that or is it why, yeah, because why the, with a filter um if you brew a filter coffee or espresso what what do you the win main or lose? catch is that you uh compare uh but that there is no the parameter which is changing is only one the your your topic of research at that point so that can be a roast profile of a farm or an origin but the coffee preparation of all the cups you are going to compare is the same 
which makes it so easy. You can also do that with filter or with espresso, right? Or with espresso, it's very difficult because the parameters of brewing espresso are so difficult to, okay. to control. And with the filter preparation, especially the cupping, which is a filter preparation, uh, it's very easy to control those parameters, time mainly, yeah. uh, temperature, and your coffee water ratio. Yeah. Uh, and it's very easy to, uh, to, to create a home scientific setup with a cupping, uh, which is developed by the Coffee Quality Institute in America. And Everybody around the world uses it. Right. Uh, farmers in Ethiopia, farmers in Sumatra, coffee traders or coffee tasters like me, uh, which makes it uh, an international language yeah. uh, and very easy to talk about coffee, about a flavor aspect with uh, colleagues in Vietnam or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, and the flavor of a filter coffee is what is easier to to pull apart than the flavor of an espresso, I right. would say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also in comparison, if you have to, espresso is so intense, if you have to yeah, yeah. compare, yeah. although sometimes yeah. we're tasting 10, 20 coffees, if you have to do that yeah. with espresso, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. And there's a slurp, right? Also this always, typical yeah, uh, coffee, coffee slurp. slurp. Wait, how, di how different is it from the beer slurp? Yeah, I think it's the much higher pitch note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, in wine, you see people, it's slower. The, whist the whistle. With alcohol, it becomes slower, I guess. Yeah. With coffee, you become faster. Yeah, yeah, but indeed, in the, um, we really aspirate it. We slurp it very hard uh, to yeah, to aspirate it and to create this um, these particles, which you then uh, inhale through your nose. Uh, yeah, because there's okay. your olfactory system, which is so important for flavor. Yeah, uh, I swallow beer and then I breathe out through my yeah. mouth, and I get yeah. a bit of the same like, exactly, retronasal. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we do it from a spoon. So oh, yeah. we have a silver spoon, silver plated spoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. Are those uh, colonial uh, remnants of the coffee scene? Or no? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, apparently, it's obnoxious behavior uh, <laughs> to uh, get a silver plate spoon yeah. because it didn't. It doesn't really even. It. it it yeah. It, it can potentially dilute or uh, okay. affect the flavor of the coffee. Yeah. So stainless steel is much better. So just to talk about Kepler, your uh, cafe. Was it, what sort of role does that play in your journey yeah, within coffee? Was it always the goal to have like a cafe? No, yeah. It's it's uh, my magnum opus, I would like to say, I think. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah, because uh, I was in the industry for uh, yeah 20 years or 17 years before I started it. Uh, I worked 10 years for the Golden Coffee Box as, as just an apprentice. And then I started after 10 years as a coffee consultant for my, for, you know, as Kees Kraakman, koffiedienstverlener. Mm -hmm. uh, and I trained a lot of uh, the roasteries in Holland. Uh, all of all of the ones I've mentioned before, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, because I was the only one who who was basically roasting and offering these kinds of training. There wasn't, there wasn't any competition for me. Um, uh, and, and I had in that phase all kinds of pop-up bars together with Ono from Stoker, as I told mm -hmm. you before, but also in the Tolhuistuin uh, here in North, where I started uh, Pussy Galore, a cafe with a roastery. Uh, and it was all like low budget investing, uh, not taking a serious gamble, uh, very safe, just fucking around in the periphery of um, uh, of the coffee geweld, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of big shots in the coffee scene uh, with a lot of money, the, the big players. Mm -hmm. uh, so as a small coffee roaster, you have it's 
difficult to yeah, to get to get your name out as a coffee roaster, but as a consultant, it's much easier, obviously. Uh, and then, yeah, slowly but surely, I found out what I really wanted in the coffee scene, which direction I wanted to go, and that took twenty years for that. And mm. uh, actually, it's uh, it's taking a step back, so it's not not the ultimate quality like Lex, for instance, from uh, Head First currently does. They offer these super expensive coffees from certain lots from Ukibuki in Ethiopia on uh, that altitude, that anaerobic fermentation. Uh, but it's it's automatically coffee for the chosen few who can afford it because it's so fucking expensive and uh, and it's such a waste for uh other people who can't enjoy that and i mm -hmm. think what we try to do with kepler is uh deliver a very high quality not the best quality but a very high quality but with a low threshold i hope uh so still accessible so still accessible everyone can enjoy a good cup uh, of you coffee. don't need to choose a certain coffee variety you don't you're not overloaded with options oh. of um uh, certain flavors it's just good coffee without you actually realizing it hopefully that's what we do and that's what we do with the bread itself uh we make everything ourselves but we don't we don't say it continually mm -hmm. it's not written everywhere mm -hmm. it's very modest i hope modest, and, uh, yeah. we we focus on um on our customers just have a nice atmosphere we mm -hmm. don't allow any laptops uh so uh we it's mainly about having a conversation enjoying food which is all homemade uh and everything is is homemade without you real yeah, without realizing um and hopefully good so that's um that those are our main core values which i actually told our personnel uh, two days ago we have an um, uh, a small garden where we produce uh, very very low scale but some vegetables at the back of the cafe no, at uh, North Oost, where we have our yeah. roastery. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And the bakery. Uh, and since Corona, we had yeah, we had 25 people personnel who didn't have anything to do. Okay. Uh, but all Baked covered. Bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no. Uh, wheat, wheat, <laughs> yeah. wheat. Get, yeah. get in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had a workforce two times per week, and uh, yeah, right. we we created a whole uh, vegetable garden, and this year we chose as an as an uh yeah research year so we have like 18 different uh, crops uh, some of them successful some of them absolutely not uh, but the chives are doing really well currently and uh, we have a system where i harvest each morning and i have a like a bundle of uh i don't know just a small handful of chives and uh, they can they can use it in a cafe mm. uh, and every morning and then i have seven rows and at day one uh, day eight they want yeah, the first row is ready to harvest again. Mm -hmm. ah, I see. Uh, so you're a farmer after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not maybe a coffee farm at some yeah. point. But chives is good enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but next year we are definitely uh we now found out the uh, courgette are doing really good. Pumpkin is really uh, working out. Uh, and if you do uh yeah, if you do like four fucker one by one, then we can have a serious production and you can have like a broodje van de week for a longer period uh with something you produce yourself and that's um yeah that's just that's gewoon heel fijn every bundle i don't need to buy yeah. plastic from kenya i just i get a smile on my face yeah, and yeah. that's uh i think that's mainly where we do it for actually yeah, yeah. cool 
And thinking about that, what I found quite interesting in the fact that you're a roaster and also a, ca- a cafe owner is that you must have a certain amount of control over the coffee specifically. I know you just talked a lot about what you grow otherwise. How do you guarantee a good cup of coffee in the in the cafe? Yeah, well, the, the most important thing is the buying strategy. So where do we get our green coffee beans? Yeah. Uh, that's That's still something I do myself. The actual roasting process is currently being done by, by Barnaby, my colleague. Uh, and then the freshness is very important. Uh, so don't allow any old coffee. Uh, after three weeks, the the majority of your, uh, yeah, the quality is gone. It's evaporated with mm-hmm. CO2 out of your coffee bean. So the freshness is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those two factors are really important. And then uh, currently, yeah, I have... Um, a pool of four baristas who are allowed to be behind the machine. Okay, and only, they, only and those people a, can do that's it. In a uh, pool of 25 people, yeah. yeah. So that's and that's not nice, obviously, but uh, that's the... That's, yeah, two just left and uh, the other ones are not ready yet. So you need to, on a continual base, your training baristas mm-hmm. to make sure they're up to par. Oh. And I... Uh, Buy some coffee from your place every now and then. Yeah. Espresso beans, but also uh, filter roast. Yeah. Uh, what's the chance that I make a good cup of coffee at home? <laughs> <laughs> you buy beans or ground coffee? Beans. Beans, eh? Yeah. Nah, then the, your chances go up rapidly. Okay. Uh, that's so... The, um, my first uh, uh, advice to anybody is uh, buy a grinder. Uh, yeah. That's, that's by far the most important. And then second thing is uh, use use water uh, which not boiling. Uh, so if you have some kind of way to check your temperature, yeah. maybe you're really good with your hands mm-hmm. or just find <laughs> out. I got this water boiler that can uh, tell me yeah. when it's uh, 80. That's one is, I, I just have one in the roastery also. It's really nice. I use that. Uh, but that's super important. And then keep your equipment clean. So if you have an espresso machine, which... I myself uh, gave it to my sister because um, if you are, yeah, the, the espressos in my cafe are so much better that uh, I can't, I can't come in the vicinity of those espressos. So I know that's really about that's pressure, about temperature, yeah, yeah. Uh, water supply. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Like the top espresso machines currently, they they cost uh, like a car, yeah. um, and they allow you to extract at a certain pump pressure. Uh, and a certain temperature mm-hmm. and to manipulate that uh, in, during your brewing cycle and that technology doesn't come uh, cheap no, uh, no. so the current ones are they start at 15,000 or something yeah. uh, so wow. if you want to make a proper espresso at home yeah, so you have to give up your car and maybe <laughs> my set <nah. laughs> <laughs> maybe we should uh, nah, yeah, the, uh, I think a lot of Italians they, they don't drink uh, coffee at home they, no. they drink it at the bar downstairs. Yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's a good advice for espresso drinkers. Yeah, uh, yeah if you really want the best quality, I, I think I need to disappoint you. You, you I'm need, not to, do you it need to spend 5,000 euros yeah. uh, mm-hmm. yeah. to get a, like a small professional setup. And I myself, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, me neither. No, I will buy no. so many other things of that. Yeah. Uh, the enjoyment of coffee at home will totally go out the window for me then. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but a grinder and uh, I just make actually a cupping at home, but then I don't call it cupping. It's like coffee tubruk. All the Indonesian people drink coffee like that. It's okay. coffee in a cup and pour hot water on top. Okay. Let it steep for three minutes okay, and then stir yeah, yeah. and then you can uh, scoop off the foam. Yeah. Or blow it away if you're really lazy. I sometimes also do that. 
<laughs> then, yeah. And then in the bottom of your cup is your coffee grounds, but you stop drinking just before. Right. So it's sitting on the grounds while you drink it. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as you don't stir, yeah. uh, you don't uh, allow any over extraction to happen to take place. Okay. Uh, extraction is is developed also by an um, factor called turbulence uh, and that's uh, about water contact in a certain velocity yeah so if you stir your coffee grounds a lot uh, then okay. you have over extracting flavor but uh, so three times stirring that's enough and then okay. let it sink to the bottom and then you can drink it perfectly fine all right nice well uh thanks for that case should yeah. we do the quiz yeah sure Think yeah. let's move yeah, towards and do it? the quiz my favorite part of the show <laughs> so the theme of the quiz today case is coffee from around the world i'm going to name 10 unique coffee drinks from around the world and for a full point you need to guess where the coffee originates and what is special about it <laughs> what is special about it yeah so maybe that maybe there is a specific method to it or, uh, yeah. or, or an ingredient or something like that it's a bit yeah i expect a lot Okay. I, I think you're knowledge. I think you're knowledgeable, and just need to work around my uh, pronunciations. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We'll kick right. it off. Pretty straightforward. Affogato. It's a slagroom ice, so ice cream with yeah. espresso from Italy. There we go. Full point. Check. Okay. Cafe Oost. Geen idee. No idea. Nothing. No. Norway. Uh, not far away. Point. No. Not far away. It's Sweden, and it's uh, basically coffee cheese. It's hot, hot coffee poured over cubed cheese made from milk and cream. Oh, nice! But uh, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll see it on uh, the Kepler menu soon. <laughs> Who knows? I doubt it. Broodje coffee host. Yeah, I've 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 Bulletproof coffee. Bulletproof coffee. The closest what I can think is bullseye, and that's a filter, a, sh- a shot of espresso on a filter, but... No, no. Well, uh, okay, hazard a guess at the country. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. States. Yeah, okay. Half a point. Uh, bulletproof coffee is a strange combination of coffee, butter, and brain octane oil, which is marketed as a meal replacement energy drink. God, yeah, the, only in America, America. right? <laughs> Butter also yeah, uh, yeah. important to add the yeah, not forget about yeah, the dairy, re- uh, read into it. It yeah. sounds disgusting. It sounds like an energy drink mixed with coffee, yeah. which uh, will be a surefire way for you not be sleeping for the next week. Uh, number four, the Einspanner. 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 German or switch Schweiz. Uh, close, close. Ostenreichs. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, it's from Austria, and it's an espresso topped with whipped cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number five. No points for no that one. Espresso Campana. Campana? Campana? That's the Italian uh, okay. question. Ah, okay. Ah, well, it's not what they call it in Austria. <laughs> question number five. Café Trung? That's Norse. That's <laughs> mm. <laughs> that should be Norway then. No, 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 no. No, no idea. Okay, that one's Vietnam, and it's an egg coffee made with egg yolk, sugar, condensed milk, and robusta coffee. Ah, yeah. Cafe, cafe Zino is question number six. Cafe Zino. Cafe Zino. Yeah, cafe that's, Zino. That's no doubt Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and Zino is always small, so I think a small coffee. Hurry. Well done. Thick and strong. 
That's what it is. It's just just an espresso, probably. Yeah. yeah. It sounded uh, the way I read it. It said it's it's thicker than an espresso. Like a uh, ristretto, maybe or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, question number seven: Quawa. <laughs> Quawa, cava. Qu- a cava. Yeah, maybe you're right. That's. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's coffee in uh, in Arabic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anything sp- like I have got something written down, but it. How would they traditionally drink it? Maybe, maybe that'll get you the rest of the point. Uh, well, they usually <clears throat> they they usually uh, brew it in hot sand. Oh right, okay. Uh, with a with a roast, which is very light, uh, with a lot of uh, herbs, cardamom, and uh, that kind of shit. Yeah, I'm gonna give you the full point. That's good. Full point. Yeah, yeah. They say it's a weak coffee served with seasonings that could include cardamom, saffron, yeah, blah blah cinnamon, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Question number eight. Oh, it's not going so good, eh, boys? No, it's yeah, okay. It's okay. Actually, I think you're doing. You've picked up the last couple of questions. We you have might. a couple to go. Yeah, yeah. Question number eight. Sandy, you might need to help me out with the pronunciation here. Fariza Cafe. Fariser Cafe. Any day. Okay. It's from Germany and it's coffee infused with rum, rum and topped with whipped cream. Oh. Okay. Uh, question number nine. Yuan Yang. Yeah, it's, it must be China. Nearly there. Nearly there. Yeah. <clears throat> so Taiwan or Japan or uh, Korea. Wh- Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing your little Asian that tour. Is, that is really unfair. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's fine. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. It's from Hong Kong and it's made from a mixture of coffee and Hong Kong style meat, uh, uh, milk, milk tea, sorry, Hong Kong style milk tea. So they okay. use Assam and Ceylon teas, which are highly caffeinated. And it's just a mixture. It's a blend between coffee and oh, well. tea. Cool. How yeah. do you? Do you all know that? Uh, right? uh, I only have what's written in front of me. I, I had I had further research <laughs> when I was going. <laughs> You've tried them all. What's your favorite? Uh, the bulletproof coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, question number ten is Cafe Lagrima. Cafe Lagrima. Cafe Lagrima. Yeah. It's from a Latin American country. Yes. Uh, which? Uh, let's take uh, Colombia. As coffee country, maybe, maybe you can get it there, but yeah, more more south, more south, and maybe Peru. <laughs> I might need to. No, no, I'll give you one more chance is, to guess uh, a South American a country with um, with guinea pigs in it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, unfortunately, I can't take your answer there. It's from Argentina. And it's an espresso cup of coffee with warm milk, but they only use a small teardrop of coffee. Lagrima means tear oh, wow. in Argentina. It's like a small amount of coffee. Well, now I'll learn a thing or two. Yeah, here yeah, we go. Yeah. Finally, I can teach you something. Cool. Okay, so uh, based on the based on the, that performance, yeah, how did four, how did Case do? Three and a half. Three, Three and, and a half. half. Oh, shit, not man. bad. So you not are bad. not bad. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's not great, <laughs> but... Uh, beat Matthijs. But yeah, um, just to finish off, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, no, really nice. It's been a really good Thanks conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, nice Happy one. Happy to be here back. All right, thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Yeah. And that's it for another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. A very special thanks for tuning in. It was a pleasure chatting to Case Krakman and, of course, Sander. 
Make sure to drop by Cafe Kepler if you're in Amsterdam. It really is some of the best coffee in town. And if that's not enough for you, there's still plenty of other tasty treats available for you to enjoy. You can find all episodes of the show on our website, udipus.com forward slash radio, and by searching Radio Udipus on your podcast app. If you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola iMusic. And tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer.